Welcome to Rough Drafts, How God Writes His Love in Our Stories, a podcast that explores the faith journeys of our friends and neighbors in Burns, Tennessee. Everyone has a story to tell, and in this podcast, we'll hear powerful and inspiring stories of how God works in the ordinary lives of people like you and me. Our stories are unfinished and perfectly imperfect. They are just rough drafts, a glimpse of what is to come because God is still at work, writing plot twists, introducing new characters, and bringing good even from the most challenging circumstances. Join us as we see what God is up to in our stories. Here's your host, Matthew Hyatt. We're back. We have another week of our Rough Drafts podcast today, and I think you're really going to enjoy uh, our guest. She is a guru of the education world. She has uh, been afflicted with having to deal with my children on a regular basis, so she gets all the heaven points for that, I think. Uh, our guest today is Jessica Sutherland. Welcome. Hi. It's great to be here. Um, we talked a little bit before the show about what might happen. Yeah. I'm trying really hard not to to vomit, but <laughs> Caleb uh, gave me a pep talk yesterday. I stopped him in the hall, and I was like, Hey, so tomorrow I'm recording with your dad. He goes, oh, the little short clip. I was like, no, the real one, the big one. And he was like, oh, I've done that. I was number 15. It's really easy. You'll be fine. And I was like, okay, if 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 a fifth grader can handle it, it'll be okay. We'll be fine. You'll be great. Uh, he came on my side and said, Miss Jessica's doing the podcast. Did you know that? <laughs> yes, I know that. <laughs> Hopefully you know that. I didn't just show up today for fun. It was super cute, though. So uh, a lot of people don't know that you've listened to basically every episode, and we've had some fun conversations in the, the drop-off line when I come in on two wheels in the morning. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's 7.59 and 58 seconds. And Hey, I was really impressed you did really well the first quarter. Yeah, the first quarter of the year, you were doing really, really well. Then I, I lost the will to live, <laughs> and, and the school year started uh, dragging on. <laughs> but uh, after you listened to Daniel Leonard's episode... Oh, yes. Yeah, so we, we decided that we needed to filter whether we listened to them in the car or not, because my kids were like, what does he mean by don't do drugs, mommy? And I was like, uh, never mind. Never mind. It's, it's good fine. to know. Look at the guitar case. Yes, absolutely. Oh, yes. I'd, yes. I forgot about that. Yes. <laughs> yes. Let's not smuggle drugs in guitar cases and things like that. That's great. And the best part is Miss Jessica helps with the guitar program. I did. 100%. It just kind of landed perfectly for me. I love Daniel's. His has been his has been a super popular yeah. um, conversation. He's just a neat guy. But there I go again, saying nice things about him that I can't deny having said. So I've really yeah, screwed this it's up. On the, it's on the record, dude. All right, Jessica, you know what I'm going to say. What's your God story? Well, not my God story. I thought about it quite a bit, you know, listening to different ones and trying to mentally prepare because when you're a type A, that's kind of how you roll. Um, I'm a type O. Oh, 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 positive or negative? No, just typos. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you assume I do it wrong. There you go. Well, I, the, what I think the center of my God story is, is nothing is ever going to go the way you plan it, oh. but that's exactly the way it's supposed to go. Um, growing up, I, my parents divorced really early in my life and there was a lot of, you know, troubled relationships and things that didn't go the way a normal kindergartner would have wanted their life to go. Um, but I was very, very blessed with grandparents who I was closer to even than parents at some points. Um, I spent every weekend, they would pick me up from school 
on Friday afternoon and I'd be with them until Sunday night after church. So really more waking hours with them than my own parents some weeks. Um, But they were, but by the grace of God go I type people where if I'd not had them, I don't know if I would be where I am today. Um, They're the reason I'm here. They're the reason I ended up in Dixon County and We'll get more into that later on, but I came to Tennessee to be with them. I'm actually from, I was born in Minneapolis, but I grew up in Augusta, Georgia in a not so nice neighborhood where there weren't very many people who looked like me. Um, So it was really kind of a rough and tumble situation sometimes, Um, but I followed them here. And so that was one of the I wasn't supposed to end up in Dixon County. That's what everyone says. But Dixon County is exactly where I was supposed to be. Yeah. Um, I started looking at different schools. Um, I knew I wanted to be away from Augusta, but I didn't want to be so far away from family that um, I didn't have somewhere to go if I needed somebody. Right. So I'd come a lot on the weekends. Lipscomb's not that far from Dixon, and my grandparents had moved here when I was a senior in high school, they moved up here, built their house on their old homestead. And um, so I'd come see them on the weekends. And um, there's this really sweet lady at church, and I'm not going to name names. I'm not going to name drop. But she was a little dishonest in feeling the need to find me a future spouse. Okay. Um, she would always go, hey, what about so-and-so? Hey, what about so-and-so? Hey, what about so-and-so? And Every single time, I was like, I'll go with anybody one time. You never know. You never know what's going to click, what's yeah. not going to click. And um, so one day she was like, what about John Sutherland? And I was like, I'll tell you the same thing I always tell you. I'll do anything one time. Like a good drug dealer, your first hit's right? free. It's you know? fine. You know, I'll try it. Um, he was a good bit older than I am. Um, so I'd never really even thought about it. You had to throw that out there yeah. for uh, you. Oh, I did. I did. Okay. 100%. 100%. That's going to be the episode title. He's a good bit older than me. <laughs> He's a good bit older than me. Um, but I'd never even thought about it. But I was like, you know, sure, whatever. It's fine. Um, so she came back to me a few days later and was like, hey, John said he's really interested in you and he wants me to get your number. And I was like, that's fine. That's good. Come to find out years later that she had gone to him and said, hey, Jessica Sutherland, or Jessica Smith, I was a Smith then, oh my goodness, I've been a Sutherland so long. Jessica's really interested in you, and she really wants you to like ask her out, so here's her number. And I'm like, that was a total and complete lie, but that's okay, because it, it worked, worked out. out great. Who needs Tinder when you have yes. old ladies? You know? Yes. Oh, and she wasn't an old lady. Oh, no. But um, I'm really trying to get you in trouble. Yeah. So that's one of the situations where I wasn't supposed to end up here. Yeah. But because he was at church and this person just decided, hey, we're going to find somebody to keep her here. So the moral of this Nothing good happens when you go to church. Oh, no. Great things happen <laughs> okay. when you go to church. I just had to make sure I get that one right. Yes. Um, one of the other examples that I think about when it comes to things that didn't turn out the way I wanted them to, um, before we started, I was telling you about how I started off at Stewart Burns. Yeah. I did several summers working daycare there. 
I did a leave of absence whenever somebody had to leave. I was sure that that's where I was going to be. Yeah. I was absolutely positive. This is home. This is family. This is where I am supposed to be. And I interviewed in May um, while I was there on the leave of absence. And the principal at the time said, I really want you to be here. I don't know where I'm going to put you. I don't know where the place is going to be, but I really want you here. Yeah. So I didn't interview anywhere else. I didn't fill out any applications. I didn't do any interviews because I was sure that she wanted me there and that's where I was going to be. Yeah. A week before in-service, she said, I'm so sorry. I don't have anything for you Mm. at all. And so here I am, newly married. We'd gotten married before I graduated um, because we were young and stupid and, you know, living on love and in an old beat up trailer. It was great. Uh, It was great. Um, And I don't have a job. Yeah. And I'm panicking. And so I applied to everything that was open. There were three spots open and one of them was at White Bluff. And I prayed over and over. The first one to call me, that's where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. Like God let let where I'm supposed to be be the first one to make that phone call. And I go in, I interview with Gail Mosley and she is fresh out of church camp. She is not dressed at all as I would expect a principal to be dressed because she found at the last minute she was going to have this opening. It was literally church camp week. And when she had an interview, she just came straight from church camp. She dodged over from Leatherwood and here you are. 100%. And so I'm kind of surprised by the whole thing. You know, White Bluff is out in the middle of this, you know, cow field. Yep. And I'd never been out there before. And um, I was like... Okay, God, you know, if if this is what it's supposed to be, then it's what it's supposed to be. Um, And she called 10 minutes before the principal at uh, Dixon Elementary called. So she beat him by 10. And I did. I took the first first call that came. I took. And now I've completed 17 years at White Bluff. I can't imagine being anywhere else. It's home. Yeah, it is. It is. The place where I know that I can find peace yeah. in all the crazy. It's crazy. It's it's crazy a lot. It's it's an elementary school. I was gonna say when I there's think a of peace in th- elementary there, school. There, there, there's a lot there's school. a lot of crazy. But in everything that changes, the people are still the people. Yeah. Um my first year teaching was kind of rough. We had um a student in my class that had cancer. Oh. Um and I don't know I don't think her mom and dad would mind it was Kelsey Carnes. Yeah. Um, we know Carnes family, good people. They are good people, and she had a lot going on that year. Yeah. She'd been diagnosed the year before in kindergarten and had started treatments and things like that. Um, and she wasn't always able to come to school. She was some, um, but they got a chance to go to St. Jude, hmm. and we wanted to get some money together so that her family would have money for travel, money for food while they were there, that kind of thing. Yeah. And the people that came in and gave and gave and gave when you knew they barely had enough to take care of themselves. Yeah. But they were going to take care of their own. That kind of solidified that this is home. Like 
the people that are talking bad about me on the ball field, yeah. the next week, if I need anything, they're going to be there for me. say that the hip white bluff people, you get one side of bluff watch, you know, the people who talk online about our town and then the other side, you know, the, what it's like to go to the perfect pig and <laughs> know that, you know, what's Carl going to do on Thanksgiving? He's going to go feed a hundred people that he just knows, right. you know, this wasn't his church asked him to, this was just Carl, right. you know? Well, and, and I would maintain even the ones that are on hip white bluff, if you need something, yeah. they're going to be there. That's awesome. It's it's a very strong, tight-knit community. and They might be there with torches and pitchforks one day and casseroles and turkeys the next. Yeah, 100%, but they're really good people. They really And are. I'm very blessed that it didn't work out the way I wanted it to. Yeah. It didn't work out with me being at Burns. Not saying that Burns isn't an amazing community, too, but it's so home in White Bluff. It really, really is. Um, another example to completely change because I'm I'm squirrely. Um, squirrel, squirrel. Mm-hmm. Um, I think about. Um, we were told we weren't going to have children. Okay. And um, we tried for years and years, and I was like, "This isn't working out the way it's supposed to work out." Yeah. Like this isn't going. I'd planned. You know, we're going to get married now. We're going to have a first baby now, second baby, third, and this is how it's going to go. And it's going to be great. And it's going to be easy. And it wasn't. And we went and saw specialists and they're like, less than 1% chance. Oh, it's not going to happen. Um, and when we got those test results back, I was pregnant with my oldest. <laughs> um, okay, that's just God. God having it is. Messing with it you, is. You know? It is. Hey, y'all watch this. Yeah. Um, and... We had looked into adoption with my, before my second was born, we're like, okay, we got really lucky. God, God was watching out for us, but we're going to go ahead and start looking at adoption because we've been trying for three years for a second one. It hadn't happened. And hey, guess what? Here comes Luke. And nine months later, guess who, guess, guess, guess what, guess what, guess what? You get an Ollie too. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So... You know, whenever I think back of all the things that don't work out the way they're supposed to work out, but work out exactly the way they're supposed to work out, that's another very valid example in my life of, hey, we'll do it when God do it when he's ready to do it, how he's ready to yeah. make it happen. That's been my favorite part of doing this uh, these conversations. It's still weird to me that we've done 50 out of these <laughs> things, but how many stories there are that every single person has these stories of, here's... Here's what I thought should happen, and then here's what happened, and here's why that was different. And then the thing that I take away every single one of these is, why am I so insistent on hanging on to my version? Like, I listen to 50 of these, and I still don't learn the lesson. Like, you know, when I don't get what I want, man, I throw a tantrum, and I tell God where he can shove it. You know, I, I do I do the whole nine, but every one of these stories has the same stinking ending. <laughs> you know, it works out. It really works out. I I feel like I've taken from a lot of these situations where I am trying to be more conscious of letting things happen the way they're supposed to happen now. Yeah. Um, I graduated with my uh, admin endorsement and my master's degree a couple years ago. Congrats. And I did summer school principalship and yeah. it was amazing because I'm a control freak. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... I found myself having to say, let things happen the way they're supposed to happen. Yeah. Don't try to force, and I'm 
you know, with with changes that are constantly happening and things like that. Don't try to force your peg into a hole that it's not supposed to be in. Um, look back at all the other things that have happened and try to allow it to happen the way it's supposed to happen. Yeah. Because it's going to happen the way God wants it to happen. It's just going to be how hard is it going to be on you in the process if you try to fight it. Yeah. God's going to get what he wants. Mm-hmm. Um, God will use every person. It's just, does he use you as a Peter or as a Judas? Right. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I I interviewed when I got out of, before I finished college, uh, I, I had an interview for a ministry job. They wanted me to be their first ever youth youth minister, this church. And I won't say where for the sake of the mean things I'm about to say about them. Um, I did, they got my name from a recommendation from a freed professor. We did an email interview where I answered Basically wrote two or three page of papers with answers to questions. Phone interview, talked to a committee. I drove to Nashville and I met them for met a committee there. Uh, then they brought me to their town and I spent an entire weekend with them and did devos for every age group and taught Bible class and um and everything about it was this is the job you should take. You know, it was a church that had some significance, had some budget, had some numbers. They wanted me to come there. Um, but I was just left with this feeling of, mm-hmm. and there were a few, there were some red flags. Right. Um, somebody put a, a tape recorder on the table so that they could record my answers so they could investigate them more thoroughly after the fact. That didn't. Oh, that, that's a little disconcerting. Yeah. And then the questions they started asking made me really convinced that these people were convinced that whoever they hired was going to ruin the church. Um, <laughs> I, I shouldn't go down this rail, but I just love this story so much. Um, one of the questions I got asked in the last interview was, what are you going to do if one of the girls in the youth group gets her belly pierced? That was one of the questions they asked me. And I was kind of- Hopefully your answer was, mind your own business? <laughs> my answer was, I don't make a habit of checking out the navels of my youth group kids. <laughs> you know, and like two of the people in the room laughed and two of the people in the room glared. And I just, I left there frustrated mm-hmm. as all get out. Like, And I left, I thought, this ministry stuff is stupid. Why in the world am I going to put up with this garbage? This is dumb. But I had agreed to stop by a little town in Burns mm-hmm. that I had never been to before uh, because a friend of a friend knew somebody here and they said they might need somebody. When I pulled up, the parking lot was full on a Sunday night, which was... Unheard of. Yeah, it's a Sunday night. Guys. Right. Everybody knows that's that's half credit night. You know, like, what's the deal? Um, I come in, the auditorium's full. Walnut Street's Youth Chorus was here that night. That was when they went around to the churches awesome. and did the services. They'd forgot I was coming. Oh, no. <laughs> and finally, somebody figured out I was sitting in the back and like, wait, it's not from Walnut Street. This, we don't. Oh, no. Uh, oops. And that sort of crazy uh-huh. has been what I've been part of ever since. Yeah, you know, the thing that looked like the perfect thing. Was not. No, and that church has split two or three times since then. Mm-hmm. Um, and then God has really blessed my family here. I never would have thought Dixon County would be home. Right. Idiot, it's not about my story. Sorry, I started. Well, I mean, it's it's it's, <laughs> it's very parallel. Yeah. I, I do completely understand it. It's very, very parallel in that this in a million years would not have been where I would have guessed. You know, growing up in Augusta, which is the second largest city in uh, Georgia, I, I could picture myself in a suburb of Nashville. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And the first several years that I was here, I was like, Man, this is so like po dunky. Like, what is going on? And now I'm the 
crazy person who's like, why have they put in another stoplight? What are they doing to our town? <laughs> They're moving the Dollar General what again. What are they doing? <laughs> um, and I can't imagine being anywhere else. No, We've, it's, it's crazy cool. I really hope that I retire here. I die here. I think, well, you know, we we looked at um, a few years ago moving to tor- out towards White Bluff because um, I live back behind Dixon County High School. Yeah. Um, but then we look at our neighborhood and we love our neighbors and, yeah. you know, we've got good people around us and we could sell our house for a really good price. But then trying to find a house that matches the size of our family at that yeah. really good price probably isn't. You can sell for very, a good price, but you can't buy for a good price. Correct. So, you know, everything, we're where we are supposed to be. Yeah. And we're doing what we're supposed to do. Um, several years ago, we attended another congregation in town for a long time. That was where we got married. That's where we brought our kids home from the hospital. One of them literally straight from the hospital to church because we wow. had to pick up one of the older siblings. Oh, um, so we, we checked out of the hospital Sunday morning and came to church to pick up yeah. my older son. Um, if you would have asked me then if we would ever be anywhere else, yeah. I would have said, no, absolutely not. This is where we're going to be forever because, you know, this is where we're supposed to be. Um, but things happen. People happen. Life happens. And we ended up visiting Chapel Hill. Yeah. They were having their 100-year celebration or something like that. And um, we were invited to come out there. And you walk in the door. Yeah. And it's that home feeling, Mm -hmm. that same home feeling that the first year at White Bluff Elementary gave me. That's awesome. It's home. It's where we're meant to be. And you guys have got to drive to get there for church. What oh, it's it's 30 minutes, minutes, 30 minutes each way. Okay. Yeah. 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 Depending on who's driving. It's a little shorter for me than it is for John. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I uh, we, we, we hug those curves a little tight when mom's driving, but it's okay. Um, but it's it's where we're meant to be. Mm-hmm. And um, if you would have asked me 10 years ago, if we'd be in a little country church out in the middle of nowhere and my husband be an elder of this yeah. country church out in the middle of nowhere. No, absolutely not. And when you say in the middle of nowhere, there is no church more in the middle of nowhere than Chapel Hill. It, it's pretty in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. It is. It really is. Um, but it's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, like you talk about, about it, you talk about a city set on a hill. It's yeah. it's it's amazing. And met people that I never would have met otherwise. Yeah. Um, people who I love very dearly, who I can't imagine not being in mind in my family's lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's all because some woman at church lied to me and said. <laughs> Hey, this guy really likes you, even though he barely knew who I was. Human tender man. I know. It works. It's nuts. It is nuts. But before we um before we started, we talked about um you used a term two or three times, but it hasn't come back up. Okay. Um and as um as a teacher with all the kids you work with, you have talked about aces a few times. Yes. Um and I know this is kind of off script for sure. maybe this, but um, I didn't know about that term until probably about a year ago, and it was super interesting to me in some trauma-informed stuff. Will and Kelsey Bryant yes. uh, shared some really cool stuff with me. Uh, can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. Um, so growing up, um, my mother um, was special needs. Okay. So um, she had her own things that she dealt with. Yeah. And she dearly loved babies, but she was not equipped to deal with older children. 
That makes sense. Um, especially an older child who at some point started getting a little bit of an attitude. Right. Because her mama and daddy had broken up and she was upset and she was hurt and um, she was not equipped to handle that. Um, so things were said, things were done that hurt. Yeah. That stuck with, stuck with me. Um, A stands for an adverse childhood event. Um, it can be, it can be anything that changes how you grow in the future. Um, and I've had, you know, as an educator, I've had multiple, um, trainings and actually went through Will and Kelsey school too. Um, but, um, we've talked a lot about ACEs and there's actually a test you can take to see where you fall on that scale of ACEs. And, um, I'm the person that if I ever, I've, I've done a couple trainings where I actually taught the training, I will never put anybody through taking the test Yeah, because I'm the person that sat there and bawled hysterically because I had so many when you start adding them all up. Um, If you're ready for a hard thing, Google ACEs test and there's a 10 question test online. Um, And our experiences are are very different. You know, I'm basically a zero, you know, and I meet a lot of kids who are 10. And and like, here's an easy question. Did a household member ever go to prison? Did a household member commit suicide? And the effect that those things have on a kid forever. Um, Adverse childhood experiences. And there's a ton of research. Uh, There's a a great book called The Body Keeps the Mm -hmm. Score about how physiologically you are a different person after experiencing significant trauma. 100%. When I look at that, I'm a seven or an eight. Okay. Um, So, but... Looping back around to my grandparents, I had I had that support that I might have had that going on, but I had an escape. I had somewhere to go every weekend. Yeah, where I had a former lieutenant colonel who loved Vanderbilt football and let me put bows in his hair, and I had a grandmother who taught me to whisper to the plants and tell them that they were beautiful and I love them instead of touching them because that'll kill them. And who taught me how to cook things in such a way that you can be a good homemaker. And I was not going to be a homemaker. Absolutely not. But my husband's very grateful that she taught me some of those things. Um, not to say I, I moved in with my dad when I was around second grade and he had remarried and my stepmom loves me as if I'm her actual child. Yeah. Um, she is, if I talk about mom, most of the time she's the one I'm talking about. Right. Um, so I had that experience where it wasn't always bad. Um, but I think the bad moments have led me to seek a job where I can help those kids who I see have those moments going on in their lives. Um, I think the things that don't go the way they're supposed to go. I was, until I was 16, 17 years old, going to be a doctor. Yeah. I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to grow up and I'm going to be a doctor. And um, then I did a rotation. My school had a um, clinical rotation program. Oh, cool. So I did a rotation at a pediatric 
ward. And okay. we had a pediatric oncology student or patient that we were working with. And I came home that day and I was like, I can't do it. Yeah. I can't do it. Um, but I love kids mm-hmm. and I love to help kids. So what am I going to do? Because I can't do that. Right. And I was like, I'll go into education. You know, I'll go into education and I can work with these kids and I can help these kids, but I won't take it home with me every day. <laughs> and that was the biggest lie I think I've ever sold myself. Yeah. Um, because I do take it home with me. You, you you can't work with children and not take it home with you sometimes. Um, but literally as soon as I was like, no, I'm not going to be a doctor. I'm going to be a teacher. I put my nose to that grindstone and I was like, no, this is exactly, exactly what I was meant to do. It's making a difference with these kids. Right. Right. Um, one of my favorite things that I get to do, and some years it's more often than others, um, but I'm on the crisis team at school, meaning when a kid is in crisis, I'm trained on how to de-escalate, how to help that situation, and to have students that come up later and know they will tell you that it was because of you that they were able to do X, Y, and Z. That's um, it's it's really a big deal. Um, now I'm seasoned enough as an educator that there are literally teachers at the school at the school that I taught. That's cool. They have circled back around, you know, um, the kindergarten teacher, Katie Miller, she was in my first grade class and my fourth grade class. Wow. She was in my first, my very first group of students I ever taught. And now seeing that cycle kind of come full circle, um, I'm also teaching and working with students of students I had. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, I'm like a, a grand teacher now. Um, it's only going to get worse. It's going to get worse. Yeah. It is. Um, but it's, that it's a cool experience. ability to see the difference that you're making in, you know, the thing, I hate the saying hurt people hurt people because it it's just a little too simplistic, but it's really true. And generational trauma is just a real thing. Very real. Um, systemic trauma mm-hmm. is a real thing. And, and some of this stuff, unfortunately, gets hijacked by these political conversations and and. You know, people on either side wanted to stick their fingers in their ear and pretend like it's not real, but it's so real. And a lot of what you guys deal with at school with behavior issues or social issues are childhood trauma issues. You know, we can, you can yell at a kid all you want. You can make him walk during recess all you want. But if you're not dealing with the fact that this kid doesn't know if he has supper tonight, right? Um, what are you going to, laps ain't going to fix that. Well, we, we, say quite frequently um i don't know how much you know about maslow's hierarchy of needs and then you have bloom and bloom is the steps on oh first you teach them you know to understand the text and then you add this and then you add this um but the you can't bloom until you maslow yeah until you have hit the hierarchy of needs and they feel safe and they feel you know that they are well taken care of and that they're in a safe environment you're not going to be able to blame them. You're just not. I've had a charmed life, um, a spoiled life, and it breaks my heart every year the stories that I hear come out of the school. And White Bluff's not worse than anywhere else. It's just normal, you know. But every year there's kids who lose a sibling or get taken from their parents or have been uprooted to their fourth school this year because we can't pay the rent where we are or they're getting turf through the foster system. Sure. Um, Spencer, um, 
Spencer Earhart at Drug Free Dixon Coalition okay. told me um, about a program that Drug Free Dixon was doing with the schools and the sheriffs and the police department uh, to deal with ACEs. It's the Handle with Care program. Yes. Yeah, it seems like a cool thing. So um, we've done Handle with Care. Um, we also um, do CPI. Um, and if you had not asked me, I could tell you what that stood for right now. Um, but um, my kids joke that it's my little blue card that makes me the school bouncer. Um, but it's basically that I've been trained on how to de-escalate situations. So it's a it's a similar um training model um my understanding with handle with care is like if a if a police officer responds to say i'm just using a, a bad example at a house fire in a kid's family he can make a note that the sro will get the school will get to know that this kid had a traumatic experience so that okay the school is ready okay so to... so we're looking at a different the handle with care was a um uh de-escalation and restraints okay. oh, program okay. too okay um no i had not heard about that program but i do think that I can see how that communication, you know, sure. if mom gets arrested, uh, the school gets a note because probably little Timmy's going to act out tomorrow. 100 yeah. percent. Um, that is uh, probably the equivalent of my old school Facebook stalking. Yeah. Um, if I had, you know, a kid that seemed off, a lot of times you could go and Facebook stalk family members and be like, oh, well, dad's back home from jail or, oh, this is going on or, oh, that's going on. I'm going to have to start hiding those posts from you. And, <laughs> and, and you would know to be more patient. Um, a lot of times I found that just creating a safe space is going to make it where kids are going to tell you some of those things that are going on that even SROs and other people might not know about. Yeah. Um, just in perspective. Um, about two weeks ago, I had a kid outside of my uh, office, outside of my room, crying and crying and crying. And I was like, hey, I got little Debbie's in a bean bag. Do you need to come in? And little Debbie's in a bean bag. Little Debbie's in a bean bag chair. Yeah. <laughs> um, and she unloaded a lot Yeah. that I would never share with anybody. But she unloaded a lot. And it's like, that is the culture that you have to create. Yeah. You have to create a culture and environment where they feel like you care enough to give them little Debbie's in a beanbag yeah. to have their moment. And they trust you enough that uh, this conversation is safe, that you're not going to fix them, that, right. you know, I, I read another Facebook post, somebody said, would, how different would the world be if everybody walked around with their ACE, ACE score number above their heads? Mm -hmm. And, you know, that lady that you meet that's just so cranky when you realize what she's been through. I mean, it doesn't make her crankiness and her treatment of people okay. Right. Like, I'm not I'm not whitewashing that, but it makes you understand. Mm -hmm. And it also is going to tell you that yelling at her probably isn't going to make this better. Right. As fun as that might be, you know? It's just a different way of looking at things. 100%. Um, hmm. Well, we're going to some happy places today. This is fun. Childhood yeah. trauma. It's all good. It's the happiest good. place on earth, you know. Well, and we're recording this on Thanksgiving break, but you don't have to see kids. It is, it, no, it is. It's it's home. Yeah, it's home for all its crazy and all its, you know. I mean, it's it's like family. The teachers that you might not always get along with the best. Yeah. You you can get mad and you can talk bad about each other, but yeah. nobody else better talk bad about my white bluff teachers because it's going to be a problem. Monica Gossett always says that people aren't allowed to talk bad about me because uh, I'm her dog. She can kick me, but you can't. <laughs> so, um, 
there's another ACE score. Okay, you know, uh, it is what it is. How would you say your faith has changed through these years, through these journeys? You know, you've, you you kind of showed me where you were and some God winks, some neat moments. How has that continued to develop for you? So growing up, I've always been in the church. Yeah, It's not been a question of, no, you go Sunday morning, you go Sunday night, you go Wednesday night, and you're there 10 minutes early just in case you hit traffic on the way because yeah. you can't be late. Um, Even during those rough years as a child? Well, because I was with my grandparents. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. 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 They they made sure, you know, Lieutenant Colonel was there 10 minutes early. You we were there every time. Jesus, yeah. Every time. Um, but I think a lot of times people that are raised in the church come in at a disadvantage, which Great. sounds really weird, but it's a habit almost like this is just what we do. And, you know, there's not necessarily this big, oh, I'm changing my life and I'm, you know, I've been through this really bad stuff and now I'm going to go here and I'm on fire. It's, but this is how we've always done it. And this is how it's always been. And, you know, I, I see myself in my children a lot. Um, I was baptized very early. I was baptized at 10. Um, because I didn't want to die and go to hell. Yeah. Um, you know, hey, come forward because you have to be saved or you're going to go to hell. Yeah. And um, so I don't know that I it's had a it. start, isn't it? it it's great. Yeah. Um, but now having children that are that age, you know, my nine-year-old's like, I really want to be baptized. I really want to be baptized. Yeah. And it was, but you're so young. Yeah. But you're a baby. But you've, you know, you've not lived life. You don't know how hard things are and on the flip side it's like but if you tell him no yeah you know and what down the road is he going to be 20 and think he's still not ready is he going to be 30 and think he's still not ready um and so i think i think my faith started to mature after becoming a parent I think that a lot of it prior to that was just going through the motions. Mm-hmm. It was, but this is what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. Because I want to go to heaven. Because I want to, you know, do what I'm supposed to do. Because this, this is the thing. Good yeah. people. Checklist. Go church. Yep. Check. Um, but I think after having children, you start looking at the world through a different perspective. Yeah. And you start looking at life through a different perspective. Um, and somehow start to see the big picture more. And learning to see God as a parent sees God as a parent who's looking at you as your child, like you understand right. your kids do stupid stuff and you want to strangle them sometimes, but that doesn't mean you love them any less. Well, uh, I, I feel a little closer to the Old Testament God. Yeah. Uh, Calm when, down, fire. Yes, yes, yes. Fire and brimstone. Come down. Um, some days, but I, it does. It makes a huge difference to know. I don't know which one of my kids I'd give up if. It was going to save the world. Yeah. I I, I, I know the answer to that. Sucks to be y'all. You're going to die. Yes. I, sorry. You, you're not getting into my kids. Right. And, it, you know, when you think about those lessons you learn from your kids, too, of um, your relationship with your kids is not about them checking a box or you checking a box. I mean, how jacked up is that? Right. And when you start to realize that's how we tend to approach our relationship with God, go, oh, this doesn't make sense anymore. I can't do this. Mm-hmm. Well, and listening to children pray, oh boy, I've decided is the best gut check. Yeah, because it really is that actual conversation. Yeah, it's not 
Thank you for this. Thank you for this. Thank you for this. Amen. Guide, guard, and direct us yes. until the next appointed hour. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think it makes you realize what you're lacking when you see the faith of a child. I'm not sure that we shouldn't ban grownups from leading prayer in church and just have kids do it. There you go. You know, we, we've always been the church that says, well, we don't have a prayer book. Oh, we do. We just did it by ear. We never wrote it down. But the kids, the kids haven't learned that yet. We haven't right. poisoned them yet. I love it. I love it. Yeah, kids change everything. Mm-hmm. I know that sounds super cliche, but... You're talking to an educator, though. Yeah. Kids really do. Yeah. They really do. Everything. 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 Was there anything else you want to share today? Anything we haven't talked about? Well, there was one thing that was completely, again, squirrel chasing yeah. moment. Um, but I did want to talk about seeing God in death. Oh, okay. I know this is you know not intentionally dark, but... Um, we lost my grandmother two years ago, and this was the woman that was the center stone of who I am, you know, and we didn't know that it was coming. Um, she got down, and then two weeks later, she was gone. Um, you know, she'd, she'd struggled with different ailments, yeah. but she would always put on a really good show when people were there. She's up cooking. I... No matter how many times we told her that we would cook Thanksgiving dinner, she'd say, yeah, sure. And then you'd walk over and she, when you got to the house, she 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 was working. And, um, you know, she'd let you know that she was hurting. She'd let you know that stuff was going on. But we didn't know how bad it really was. Right. Um, but those last few weeks with her touched something in me that... I don't know had ever been, you know, I, like I said, growing up fearing death, yeah. you know, because I don't want to go to hell. I, I don't want to go to hell. I want to be good enough and trying to fill out that check sheet. But I don't know that I've ever met anybody that was so ready. She knew her calling was assured. And so one of the days when we went over, it was the last day that my kid saw her. Um, she wanted to see everybody one last time before they put her on morphine because she said she didn't know who who or what she was going to be um, after she started the meds. And she didn't want my kids to remember her that way. Okay. Um, and while we were all together, she said, i like for us to sing one time. And I was like, okay, cool. And I said, what do you want us to sing? And she said, it is well with my soul. And I said, but Emma, it's not well with my soul. It's not. And she said, but it is with mine. Oh, oh, wow. And she knew. She knew it was going to be hard on my granddaddy. She knew it was going to be hard on us. But to have the kind of faith that she knew she was good. Steve Baggett came over one of the days and um, he said, okay, Miss Ann, I'll come back and I'll see you one day next week. I'll come in and check on you. Yeah. And, um, she looked at him in the eye. She said, I'll plan on being here next week. <laughs> and he said, Miss Ann, don't say that. And she said, well, I don't. She said, my son and my daughter-in-law are coming up and I'm going to see them and tell them goodbye. And then I have a home that's been prepared for me. And she said, my calling is assured. And of all the examples she gave me, all the years, the way that she handled the end, mm-hmm. 
is like the ultimate example to me of how I want to live my life so that I know when I'm almost 87 years old that I don't have to fear. Yeah. That I don't have to worry about what's going to come because it's real. It's real. One of the weird, neat things about my job is getting to be the Steve Baggett in that story. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it is unfortunately rare. Um, maybe one out of 10, one out of 15. But you go and they'll say something like that and you just leave almost smiling. You feel like an idiot smiling when you leave somebody who's dying. But you think, I don't know if I'll see him again on this planet, but I will. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's not casting doubt on everybody else. Don't misunderstand me here. But when someone is at death and is able to look at it with clear, bright eyes, not delusional, not this isn't going to happen, not terror. In my job, I have seen people who have laid in bed screaming because they thought they smelled sulfur. Mm -hmm. Seriously. Now, I don't know if that was just the delusions and the medication or if that was something supernatural. I'll never know what that was. But I've seen that. I've seen a lot of people who are just sad, and I'm not judging that. I'll probably be sad, too, because, you know, I won't have Dr. Pepper for a little while. (laughs) But but then those rare days when you stand by someone's bed who basically is like, yeah, it's time. I'll see you later. That's some cool stuff. I wish I could take the whole world to those moments. Right. I was at one of those bedsides just recently, and this person is still with us. Um, I don't know how much longer, but looked at me and said, I know it's going to be all right. I know my family's going to be all right. I'm going to be all right. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm here for, you know, <laughs> you know, good to see you, buddy. <laughs> I, I don't know. But man, it's just, it's amazing the power of a good death. Um, and I never would have believed that years ago. Right. Um, you'll never forget that. In my hunch, uh, I didn't really, I didn't know your grandmother, but when um, when it's your time, you're not going to forget that either. And that's pretty cool. And it's very cool. Well, we've talked about painful childhood experiences. We've talked about children with cancer. We've talked about childhood trauma. And now we've talked about family death. Is there like a trifecta? You want to add a natural disaster to this or? No, let's let's not. Okay. Let's not. <laughs> White bluffs lift through that. Let's not do that. Yeah, we've been there, done that, got that T-shirt. Well, Jessica, thank you so much for your time today. Absolutely. I'm glad to have been here. And I would like to point out we are 45 minutes in. Whoop, whoop. And there's no vomit. No vomit. So it's been a great episode. Friends, thank you so much for listening and thanks for sharing this with a friend. Uh, and until next time, I can't wait to hear what God's up to in your story. Thanks for listening to Rough Drafts. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. While you're at it, help us spread the word by leaving a rating and review. Until next time, let's keep looking for how God writes His love into our stories.